Speaking to the Nameless, Episode 7. Okay, here we go. Today, we break the ice. Today, we say the things that haven't been said, but needed to be said. And I feel you better brace yourself for this one. Because there are a lot of complexes here. And as always, I don't know where to begin. I don't know which order to proceed in. So I'm happy to go back and forth between things and to just say what I need to say as they come up. And I'm hoping that they'll come up in a way that is right, that will lead us to something. And I hope it'll bring some more clarity. You might say, I I can sort of hear an argument that, well, you don't need to say anything. You don't need to shake the boat. You don't need to stir the pot. Just by talking, you're creating tangles, which aren't there. And I think as we proceed, you'll you'll see that that's not the case, that I am saying something that needs to be said, and I'm saying what I see is actually there. So I am I am quite nervous about this conversation and talking to you is often nervous nerve-wracking for me and even just being around you and being in your presence I feel quite uneasy I feel quite nervous I can sense attention particularly more recently. And I don't, well, I'm refraining myself from saying I don't know. So it's not fair for me to say I don't know because actually I do know. It's just going to take me a few moments to muster the courage to really go into what I need to say. So allow me to take my time. Just let's not rush this. Let's take our time with this because it's a delicate operation. It's a deep operation. And there is a lot of different factors. And we're working with emotion here. We're working with feelings. And we're working with things that aren't in our awareness. We're working with things that we are unconscious of. And you must realize that a person can always see something in you 
differently to how you see it in yourself. Now, that's a plain way of putting it. Another way of putting it would be that someone can see something in you which you don't see at all in yourself. And yet another variation on that is someone can see something in you which is actually in them. This is a psychological projection. It's a distortion of vision. And this this tangle, this back and forth of what does one person see in another is something that flares up when I'm with you. When I'm in your presence, that whole thing, that whole back and forth, the whole game of what's really happening here and who really is who, it becomes this wildfire in my mind and in my heart. And it was a recent realization for me. And this is going to be a tough pill for you to swallow. This really, this really is the biggest pill, the biggest truth that you have to confront by the end of this conversation, which is that I can see you. I can see what you are. I see what's happening with you. I see how you're thinking. I see how you're feeling. I hear what you're saying. And most broadly, I can see what condition you are in. And that is a very difficult thing for you to understand and a very difficult thing for you to accept and there is every chance that you will never accept it ever so with that in mind let's start to let's start to unpack a few things and We'll see how we go with with this venturing forth into the you and the me and what happens between us. I see that there's a great big wall around you. And this is an invisible wall to you. You don't know that it's there. You deny that it's there. And the front that you have of transparency and, oh, I just be who I want to be and I let the world either accept me or not. Well, that's part of this invisible wall. That's part of this not letting people in. And you've got a lot of distractions plain and simple. To be in your presence is like you're going from one thing to another in quick succession 
And another thing. Oh, now we have to do this. Oh, now I'm doing this. Oh, we're doing this. And it's always in the spirit of, yes, right, good job, or yes, yes, this is the right thing to do. No problems, mate. Jolly good time. Yes, this is just what we do. This is how we get along. And this is part of your invisible wall. This is part of your distraction of really meeting someone, of really connecting with someone, of really actually showing yourself to someone and to yourself. And there are little bubbles that come up every now and then in these small frustrations that you express. These little things, these little annoyances, these petty, tiny little things, they're actually the expression of the deeper hidden truth. They're actually this side of you which is hidden trying to come out. It's actually this wall trying to crumble because it naturally wants to crumble. And it will. Well, I won't say it will. I'll say it can. What's going to happen with you is entirely not set in stone. Your future is not certain. And I say that as someone who has seen the future for certain people, and met people whose futures are certain. So being in your presence is tense, and you have this front of, oh, everything's okay, jolly good, and you get along with these distractions, and you have so many things, so many hobbies, so many activities or work, or whatever it is. I don't really know much about exactly what you do. But these are all a defense. These are all a distraction. And the real underlying condition that you're in is clear to people who can see it. Not everyone can. Not everyone looks this deeply into you. Many people are, own, are caught up in their own lives. Many people are caught with their own wall, with their own insecurities, with their own problems, with their own hang-ups. So it's perfectly possible for you to go through life and to not meet someone who can even see these things in you. It's rare to find someone who can see things in you which you can't see in yourself. And all the complexes, all, all the complex versions of that insight are included there. Including self-deception or projection or clarity or awareness or energy reading. All these things. I'm talking just broadly speaking. That's rare. And it's even more rare to find someone who sees them and yet tries to say something and actually tries to break in. Now with you, 
There have been moments when I've tried to break in. When I've consciously stepped up to the wall. And this is always met with a door slammed in my face. Quite literally. And it's a habit of yours. It's something that you've done consistently. Basically throughout the entire time that I've known you. Every time we open for a discussion or an inquiry into something, and these aren't always necessarily even in the spirit of, oh, let's talk about you and me or let's talk about you or let's talk about how we feel, let's talk about our feelings. It might even be something as simple as a philosophical conversation. Let's have a let's have a discussion about our beliefs. Let's have a let's have a theological discussion. Let's have a psychological discussion. Let's have a philosophical discussion. And those moments, in those moments, you slam the door shut. I don't know if you've noticed this. I don't know if you've realized this. Do you realize what you're doing? What you do is I start to talk. I start to say something, I start to explain something, and you butt in. You don't let me finish the sentence. And when you butt in, you use a stern voice, you speak more loudly, you use short words, you use tough hand gestures, and it's quite simply a slam of the door in the face. Now, when you do this, I stop talking. And I think a lot of the time, when that happens, you think, well, good, I've proved him wrong. Well, good, he's got my point. Well, good, I won the argument. You must understand that I have no interest in arguing with you. And yet that is exactly what it's going to take for someone to approach your wall. It's actually quite sad that there's no one who would argue with you. It would be a beautiful thing if you could find someone who had the nerve or the strength to really argue with you. But I think just just, just starting that out with you, just the, the, the initial hump with you is so intense and so brutal that, well, well, let me not speculate at this stage about you and other people. Maybe you have found someone to argue with. Let me just keep it for the moment between you and me. 
And what I can say is on my side, it feels so difficult to even approach that. And if you were to slam the door in my face and I was then to continue talking or then to respond to what you're saying, you only double down. You only become more hard. You only become more pressing. You only become more brutal. You only talk harder, louder. And, and in some ways, violently. It's a violent way of speaking. And this is quite difficult. And you're going to have to overcome it for any way to be made. It means sitting there and listening and hearing someone out. And this is such an ironic thing to be saying to you. Because there's even been times when the very thing... I don't know if this is the right way to bring this up. I don't know if this really fits in with what we're at right now, but it might even be that the very thing you're shutting down is an urge for someone to listen to you, an urge for me to say to you. It might even be, if we had this exact conversation, I could even, I could even say the exact thing. I could even say, hear me out. Just wait until I've finished. And you couldn't do that. I could even say, stop butting in. And you couldn't do that. (sighs) I feel quite riled up about this. I feel like my blood pressure is rising. And I'm very angry and I feel that it's quite... It, it, it's quite funny that I am becoming the forceful talker. I, when I'm talking about you slamming the door shut, I feel like I am becoming that. I can, I'm doing tough gestures and I'm talking in such a firm voice. I, be, I am becoming what I'm talking. <laughs> and that brings me on to another big point, which is that we've known each other for a long time. And there's another thing that has come up again and again, and it's a characteristic of yours. And like this other characteristic of slamming the door shut and having an inapproachable wall, I pray to dear Mary, mother of Joseph, or whoever, wait, wait, holy, what do I normally say? Holy Mother of Mary. Yes, that's what I normally say. Mother of Joseph? Mother of Mary. Holy, uh, I pray to dear Holy Mother of Mary. That's what I want to say. (laughs) But now, hang on. You see what's happening here? What I'm doing is I'm sidetracking from the point into a little joke. I'm distracting myself. And I'm turning it into just a little comment, like, oh, what's that phrase, Holy Mother of Mary? Yes, that's it. And now let's move on with something else. 
This is, what it, this is exactly what I do with you and exactly what you do with me. When anything gets close to a nerve, there's some little sidetrack, there's some little joke or some little comment or something that's irrelevant, which we sort of just go along with because, oh, yes, that's true. Jolly good time. Holy mother of Mary. That's a funny expression, isn't it? Yes, I used to say that all the time. And people get holy mother of Mary mixed up with mother of holy mother of Joseph or holy mother of Jesus. But this is all a distraction. This is all a, a, a diverting away from the nerve. This is all the, the wall becoming invisible. So right here in this conversation, we're saying the things that need to be said and we're confronting those things which are usually distracted from us or hidden from us. And this is what I was just about to say, which is that for the whole time that I've seen you and known you, well, not the, maybe not the whole time, I don't know, for, for, for many a year, you have made a habit of speaking to me in a harsh tone of voice. And I should maybe clarify this. I don't know what to call it, but it's like the it, it's the motivational speak, but it's not it's not exactly the motivational speaker. It's the it's more like the pep talk. It's more like the lecture. It's the it's the condescending lecture. And you sort of have this habit of pulling me aside and then giving it to me and talking and talking and talking. And it's this lecture. It's this it's this beat up. And it's filled with, you should be ashamed of yourself. It's filled with, look at what you've done wrong. And it's very emotive. It's very much, you should be disgusted in yourself. And here are all the reasons why. And this is what all the people are thinking about you. And then you offer your advice. Here's what you should do. And many a time it's unsolicited. And sometimes maybe I did actually need a speaking to like that. I'm not going to rule that out. Maybe these talks have done me good. And I've always sort of just sat there and, and, and okay, tried to listen and all right, what is he saying? And oh, yeah, okay, well, he's got a point and yeah, I'll have to think about that. And and really, you know, he's probably got my best interest in hearts and th these sorts of things. But now you realize it's different. Now something's changed. Now you realize what's happening right here, right, right here in this very moment. I am doing that to you. It's me doing that to you. It's a complete reversal. I have, I, just like I've picked up this forceful butting in habit 
I've picked up this forceful judging lecture. And now it's my turn to lecture you. And you won't be able to butt in. And you will have to hear what I have to say. Do you want me to tell you what's wrong with you? Do you, want me to, do you want me to proceed? How would that look if we proceeded in that same manner? If I told you all the things that were wrong with you, all the things you should feel guilty about, all the things people think about you, and what I imagine people might be thinking about you, but, but never say, whoa, oh, holy mother of Mary, there is a massive amount of things there. All the things I imagine that people think about you that they never say to you. Would you like to hear that? Would you like me to tell you? Would you like me to judge you? Would you like me to offer you some advice? You must have realized at some point, like you can't be, you can't be surprised. Like if you talk to someone in a certain way, Eventually, they're going to start talking to you in that same way. Or at least there's a logic to that. I don't know if that's true. Maybe that's not. Maybe that's just a general... That, that's, that's not a totally common staple of a relationship. I don't know. But there's some logic in it, isn't there? That you talk and you talk to someone like that, and then eventually, they turn around and they do the same to you. And I don't like it. I don't like talking this way. I'd rather not approach the things I see in you with this tone of voice and with this emotional content. But you must understand that this is the same emotion that's right behind the things you say to me. It's frustration. It's anger. And it's just a condescending judgment. Now, the last time you did this was a little bit different. Because I had changed in a significant way. And all the things that you put on me, I had actually dealt with and I was aware of. And also I was aware of emotionally and energetically reading an encounter with a human being. And this meant that I was able to sit and listen to your lecture and yet I took it in a very different way. I could see it very differently because the issues I had dealt with were resolved for me. And in fact, I was aware of them and that was making my awareness even stronger, even more expansive. And of course, I felt even more scared of you, even more hurt by you than before because I was so sensitive. 
It's one thing to listen to someone sort of half-heartedly like, oh, yeah, I sort of see what he's saying. But then to listen to someone and really be on board with the emotions, that's another thing. And the last time you spoke to me like that, I was able to listen. And on the surface, on the outside, it was the same as all the other times because all I could do was sit there. All I could do was sit there and take it and not really respond. There was, there was no appropriate response. There was no way of coming back from what you had said. There was, no, there was no thing that I could say. But what was very different was what was my experience on the inside and what I saw in you. And what I saw was that under the hurt was someone that needed support. Someone that they needed a way to work through their own things. Someone that needed something or someone who would work with them and be successful in bringing them out of whatever the mess that they're in. Now, you have shared things with me. And when people talk, it's just a fact that things come out. And one of the things you mentioned was your family. And I don't really know too much about them. We talk about them every now and then, and I talk about my family every now and then. So it's just family, you know, it's just a, it's a conversation topic. But somehow that came up in one of these sort of heated conversations that we had. And you said that you didn't really feel your family supported you when they should have. You felt they didn't understand and they didn't know what you had gone through, and you said, well, there's a solution to that. I'll just go and find other friends. I'll go and find other people who can. And I found that. That was your... Well, it sounded like a defense to me. It sounded like you had an issue, and then you found a simple solution, and then you had it. So it's no longer an issue. And then... As it was, I started inquiring. I started asking questions. And I wanted to find out about some of your experiences. And exactly what what happened in that period? What was it what was it that your family didn't understand? What was it that they didn't support you in? And when I went there, that's when nerves really started to hurt. That's when things became explosive. You really didn't want to go there. And you said, 
I don't want to have to relive that just to explain it to someone else. And in that, something didn't add up. Because I thought if you'd really shared it with these friends of yours, and you'd really worked it through and it was really a non-issue anymore, then, well, what is it to share with just another person? Why couldn't you share it with me? And then I thought, well, okay, that's in the past. You don't want to deal with the past. You don't want to go back there. That's okay. I'll leave it alone. I won't, I won't pursue this. I'm not, I'm not here to save you. I'm not here to, to be what, I don't, whatever, your, fi- your figure or whatever. Whatever figure you think this is. What, I, I don't know what to say about that. Maybe what I think will change in a few moments. I'm feeling it will. Maybe I am your saviour. <laughs> we'll get to that. But what actually in this, let, let's stay with this. The past was too much a nerve for you. And I thought, okay, it's too much a nerve. So I'll turn it around and I'll say, well, tell me what's happening now in your life. And tell me in such a way so as that I won't be called one of these people like your family who weren't there to understand, weren't there to support you. Tell me now. Really share with me. What's happening now in your life? And I think it was quite clear what I was asking. I made it quite clear that that was my intention, which was to not let this resentment of, oh, my family didn't help me, come onto me. And you didn't share much. You didn't really share at all. Because I actually found out later from another person that, well, there is a lot of frustration at the moment and there is a lot of struggle And this is, a real, this is a real difficult way to proceed in a relationship. Because if one person says, look, I'm open to you, I want to listen to you, I want to offer my help to you, and the other person doesn't, well, that's the end. That's the end of the conversation. And I'm really, it's a way for me to really put the responsibility on you. It is entirely up to you how much you share yourself how you talk about yourself, how much you trust that someone can listen to your stories. And I'm by no means perfect. I'm sure I have my judgments. I have my colorings. There's a coloring to my responses which never sits right with you. Whenever I respond to what you're saying, you, you always say, no, you've got it wrong. You always say, no, that's not right. 
and it's always in the it's always in the vein of how could you judge me so much? How could you have such an assumption about me? How could you see that in me? It's this outrage, it's this anger, it's this hurt. And I'm so scared to proceed after that. Because what I want to really say is, well, help me understand. Tell me how it is. Tell me how I've got it wrong. How should I see the situation? How do you really feel about it? Why do you leave me to guess? Why do I have to be the one making up this picture based on just tiny little bits of information that you get to me, that you give to me? Now, for the whole time I've known you, you've been bigger than me, physically. You've been taller than me, a very large amount stronger than me, and just bigger than me. Now, I'm a, I'm a quite, quite a skinny guy. I've got an athletic build. And since recent times and what I've been through, I've actually learned that there is a a funny little trick of the eye, which is where people can seem taller than they are or shorter than they are, depending on how you feel about them. And the last time I saw you was the first time in my life when I've realized that I'm actually bigger than you. And I don't mean if we stood at the wall with a tape measure or stood on a set of scales to see who's heavier. And it was a very strange sensation because I, I looked at you. I looked at you right in the eye and I could see your posture, your tone of voice and what you were saying and your emotions and your energetic profile. And you looked physically shorter. It was a very strange, it was a very strange occurrence for me. I don't really know what to make of it. What, what would you make of it? What would you say about that? Am I delusional? Perhaps. That might be a defense to what's happening there. An argument against it. But really, I realize that I've grown more than you. And this is something that is a fact now which is that I know more than you. And this is very difficult to... This should be very delicate. And it's really completely inappropriate for me to say this. It's totally inappropriate. 
in, in fact, there's, there's no way that I can say it to you. There's no way that you could hear it. And there's, there's really no way that I would say this to your face. And yet it's true. I'm going to have to sit in silence. Because I've been through so much. I've worked so much. And I've gone into the things that you have an intuition for. And you even have a talent for. But you haven't developed. You haven't grown. You haven't fostered. And I realize, actually, when I look at my talents, many of them came from you. You, in fact, in many ways, gave me my talents. With the extraordinary influence you had over me. And this might be a bit much for you to take. But this conversation is hold nothing back, so I'm going to say it. And that is that actually for many years, you were a father figure to me. And how I square that with the sort of judging lectures, well, maybe my father was like that as well. Maybe there are some similarities between you and my father, and for that reason you fit the bill. And maybe it was you were more like the father in some regards that, that you did the things that my father didn't do. You were the father that I didn't, that I didn't have. I don't know if you remember, my father died, actually, when I was 18. In fact, I'm sure you do remember. So for you to be a father figure and to give me my talents, and then for me to go through life and go on this extraordinary journey, over years and to develop those talents and to flower and then to come back and to meet you again after all that time as a, a, as a completely different human being. Well, with that in mind, it's, it's fair for me to say that I've grown more than you. And I don't mean that in a, I really don't want that to sound that I'm better than you. It's not about better or worse at all. It's really not. And in fact, the talents you gave me, there's a very good chance you're better at those things than me. For example, public speaking. You have an incredible voice. You have an incredible rhetoric. You know how to reason things. You know how to make an argument. You know how to illustrate a point. You know how to speak passionately. And even at times, I've seen you approach those really difficult subjects. Those really taboo subjects that we all are afraid to talk about. 
and I've heard you confront them head-on before. But not in recent years. You also have an incredible ability for leadership. You know how to get people on board with a project. And I suspect that that skill has brought you a lot of success in life. And you are very successful. And we even sort of touched on this when we last spoke to one another. And what I see quite simply there is that you have this leadership ability, but it Leadership ability, but it's not aligned with your values. It's not aligned with your deeper values. And you would actually say the exact opposite. It's actually one of the things that you carry around with you is that you're fighting the good fight for the good cause. And you're doing the virtuous thing. Good morals is good morality. Good, good morale. It's funny how those words are so closely related, isn't it? And for you to work, I, I don't really know much about your work at all. I don't know what you do. All I know is that it's quite high up and it's quite well paid. And that's just your leadership skills. But I don't know if you've fostered them for an environment which has higher values. An environment which is more involved in things that are beautiful. Things that are caring. Things that are loving. And maybe I've got it completely wrong. Maybe the work you do is caring. Maybe it is coming from a place of love. Maybe you really are making a positive difference in the world. I, it's a complete mystery to me. There's, there's so much that is a mystery to me. And really, really everything that I'm saying here, everything that I'm sharing with you, it's based on so little It's really based on so little. Because so little of you is is shown. And yet in another way, so much is, so much can be seen in just a little. It really can. Because a a person is always broadcasting how they are. And this whole thing of, oh, is it authentic or inauthentic? That's just a psychological game in some regards. Now, I'm all for a real authenticity. That's one thing. But this whole thing of, oh, well, yes, I'm, I'm doing good in the world and my work really is important. Well, that's, that can be empty words. And for someone who can see certain things, they can see what sort of emotional complexes are around it, and it sounds very different. I wonder if I knew you better, 
these things would sort of... See, well, here's another test. Here's another way to put it. If I knew you better and you did just sit down and share everything and you told me your whole... like, like, put it in. Let's put this into an extreme matrix. Say we sit down and you tell me your entire life story. Well, and I think in that situation, many things would unravel. Many of my judgments would come undone. And it's not a matter of, oh, this person is this or this person is that, or you are this or you are that. And in fact, that reminds me of this funny thing you said last time we met. You said, you said I've really changed a lot. And that's true. But you also said, you don't know how much I've changed because of what I was before. And also, you didn't know quite exactly how I've changed because you didn't know like a before and after. You, didn't, you, you could see enough to see that you didn't know the before and after. And you said, maybe I didn't know you before. And that's why I can't see how you've changed now. And that really just shows that you have awareness. You have sight. And and I know also that you have deeper intuitions. You have existential intuitions. You have intuitions about God. You have intuitions about eternity. And these are, well, these are things that are talents of yours which have been un, under, they, they haven't been developed. They haven't been grown like they could have. And it's true. Is there a before and after? Do we get to know people by how they change over the years? Do we really ever notice how people change over the years? How, how would you tell if someone changed? And maybe you have changed too in ways that I don't know. So to sit out and sit sit down and say, tell me your whole life story, I'm sure certain things would come undone. But also certain of the issues which I've addressed here in this conversation would have to be confronted. Certain things would be right. And, and in that process of, of telling your whole life story, well, then that would make things resolve. That would be the, the solution to the issues, some of the issues I've presented here. And you've even said at times that, well, I've done that. I wrote a book about my time in so-and-so place. And I thought, wow, wonderful. That was such an incredible time of your life. You should sell this book. You should tell the story. Tell the world. I know you had so many experiences there. And people really need to hear this story. And you said, no, I don't want to make my life something, my life story something that I sell. And I wonder just what, what was it like for you to write that? And did you really write it? And has anyone read it? 
because there are a lot of triggering emotions around that time in your life. That was one of the things that you didn't want to talk about. So I wonder what's really going on there. Now, there is, a, there is another approach to all this. And this is the, the slam the door down approach. So instead of us sitting back in nice armchairs and sipping on a cup of tea and we say, well, now take your time, dear, and tell me your life story. And isn't, isn't this just darling? Aren't you just such a sweetie? No, instead of that, we say, actually, no, I'm going to confront you. And I'm going to point out what I see in you. And I am actually going to fight and I am going to argue. And I'm going to tell you everything that's wrong with you. And I am going to judge you. And I'm not going to stop. I will push and push until there are tears. And if it comes to physical blows, I will physically fight you. If I have to physically restrain you, then I will continue. And I will fight, and I will fight, and I will push. And you will experience the full emotion of all the things that are wrong with you. And it will be a breakthrough. We will push and we will break through. And on the other side, you will see the release. You will feel the release. And then, those little comments that we make about, oh, isn't it jolly good? Yes, what a fun time we're having. They will have a very different flavor to them. They will have a very different depth to them. Because when you burn through your darkness, then there really is light on the other side. Now, I don't think it's my place to do that without an invitation. I don't know if I really am the right person to do that for you. And it's so far out of your knowledge, perhaps, that it might not even be that you realize that that's what needs to happen. You might not even realize that that's an option. You might be in, first of all, you might be in denial that you need it. Second of all, you might not even know that it's an option. Third of all, you might not even know where to have that sort of process happen. Fourth of all, you might not know who would be the right person to take you through that emotional burning process. And would you really, would you really have the sight? Would you really want to, to do the work? I mean, what's it worth to you? And emotional burning is one thing. And even just writing your own autobiography, writing your own journal, that's something I talk about all the time. Write your life story. Because you can relive it. And if you really write it well, you do relive it. So when you were saying that 
You didn't want to go back there to relive things just for the sake of explaining it to your family? Well, actually, there's a wisdom in that. There's a real awareness in that. There's a sensitivity there, which is that when you write, you relive. And when you relive, you burn the emotions. And when you burn, a light comes. And on the other side of that light, my God, if only you knew. I really wish you would know. I really wish there was a way for me to get to you, to explain all this. And I really, I really wish we could work it all through. I really wish you could have seen, I really wish you could see it. And I, I don't know, I don't know, I really, I, 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 I'm, I'm afraid to say I don't know because I, I feel like I've explained it well, but I, I still feel like there, there's, there's not quite enough for, for me, there's not enough in me to save you. And I don't know if that's really my job. As it happens, and because of the circles we move in and the institutions we're involved in and the sort of situations of our life, it happens that there is a very high chance that we will continue to see each other. We will continue to bump into each other. And there is a chance, there's a very high chance that it will just continue as, oh, everything is hunky-dory. Everything is as it should be. And we will never get to any sort of depth. And your talents won't flower. And I won't get to see you on the other side. And even if we really take this through to the end conclusion, there is a chance that one of us will be at the other person's funeral. Now just take a moment to think about that. Really, it's a lot to think about because there's two sides. Imagine me at your funeral. Can you imagine what I'll be saying at your funeral? Can you imagine what I'll be saying about you to other people? Can you imagine what I wish I would have said to you, which I didn't? Can you imagine the things that I couldn't say to you because of how you are? And that's just you and me. Just imagine, really imagine your funeral. 
and what people are going to say. And how you're going to feel about what you've left. Sort of relationships you've left behind. And of course the flip side of this thought experiment is, well, now imagine yourself at my funeral. And what could you honestly say about me? What could you say about our relationship? And when I think of that myself, I have to come clean. And I have to clarify right now, very simply and very clearly, Before I die, you need to know that I have a message for you. I have a message that you can come home. You can find the flowering of your talents. You can come through your darkness. You can find your inner joy, your inner peace, and your inner ecstasy. And I've got a whole bunch of wild and crazy ways, adventurous ways that we can get there together. And it's my deepest hope. It's my deepest joy that we could be there together. And now that I've said that, you will not be attending my funeral without knowing that I tried. You will not be able to stand there and say, why didn't he tell me? Because right here, right now, I'm telling you everything. And I will keep telling you again and again and again. But don't ever say I didn't try. Okay, I think... As always, there are a lot of little examples that have been left out. But I think that's I think I think we've made enough headway for today. So I'm open to you. I would love to hear from you. I would love for us to somehow construct a scenario in which we could together delve into certain things and I don't know what that would look like. I'm open to any sorts of ideas. I have some ideas of my own and I really hope you can hear that I'm coming from a place of care and a longing to, well, quite simply, I long to be deep with you.
I long to have a, an authentic relationship. And you've been a tremendous influence on my life. You've had an amazing impact on me in so many ways. And I know maybe here it's it's sounding that like there's a lot of negativity. It's not all negativity. There is also positive things. It's just that here we're addressing... The reason there's more negativity or, or more darkness here is because we're addressing that. That's the purpose of this conversation. And I think that's what needs to be said. The The... the the positive things, well, they won't come up without a certain amount of, without a certain environment or without certain happenings happening. So it's very hard for me to see so much of the positives because of how much darkness there is. And that, that's why we're here. That's why we're having this conversation. So let's just sit down now and have some silence and really just meditate over all that we've talked about today. And that's all I have to say for now.